Chapter Thirty One of the Spanish Brothers by Deborah Alcock. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Thirty One Ministering Angels. Thou wilt be near and not forsake to turn the bitter pool into a bright and breezy lake the throbbing brow to cool till left awhile with thee alone the wilful heart would be fain to own that he by whom our bright hours shone our darkness best may rule Kebble. the overpowering heat of an andalusian summer aggravated the physical sufferings of the captives and so did the scanty and unwholesome provisions which were all that reached them through the hands of the avaricious benevidio but this last hardship was little felt by carlos small as were the rations he received they usually proved more than enough for him indeed the coarse food sometimes lay almost untasted in his cell one morning however to his extreme surprise something was pushed through the grating in the lower part of his inner door the outer door being open as was usual at that hour the mysterious gift consisted of white bread and good meat of which he partook with mingled astonishment and thankfulness but the relief to the unvaried monotony of his life and the occupation the little circumstance gave his thoughts was much more to him than the welcome novelty of a wholesome meal the act of charity was repeated often indeed almost daily sometimes bread and meat sometimes fruit the large luscious grapes or purple figs of that southern climate were thus conveyed to him endless were the speculations these gifts awakened in his mind he longed to discover his benefactor not only to express his gratitude but to supplicate that the same favours might be extended to his fellow-sufferers especially to giuliano moreover would not one so kindly disposed be willing to give him what he longed for far more than meat or drink some word of tidings from the world without or from his dear imprisoned brethren at first he suspected the under-jailer whose name was herrera this man was far more gentle and compassionate than benevidio carlos often thought he would have shown him some kindness or at least have spoken to him if he dared but dire would have been the penalty if the slightest transgression of the prison rules would have entailed carlos naturally feared to broach the matter lest if herrera really had nothing to do with it the unknown benefactor might be betrayed the same motive prevented his hazarding a question or exclamation at the time the little gifts were thrust in how could he tell who might be within hearing if it were safe to speak surely the person outside would try the experiment it was generally very early in the morning at the hour when the outer door was first opened that the gifts came or it delayed a little later he would often notice something timid and even awkward in the way they were pushed through the grating and the approaching and retreating footsteps for which he used to listen so eagerly would be quick and light like those of a child at last a day came marked indeed with white in the dark chronicle of prison life bread and meat 
were conveyed to him as usual. Then there was a low knock upon the door. Carlos, who was standing close to it, responded by a nigger, Kenneth? A friend. Kneel down, senor, and put your ear to the grating. The captive obeyed, and a woman's voice whispered, Do not lose heart, your worship. Friends outside are thinking of you. One friend is with me even here, Carlos answered. But, he added, I entreat of you to tell me your name, that I may know whom to thank for the daily kindnesses which lighten my captivity. I am only a poor woman, senor, the alcade's servant, and what I have brought you is your own, and but a small part of it. My own? How? Robbed from you by my master, who defrauds and spoils the poor prisoners even of their necessary food. And if anyone dares to complain to the Lord's Inquisitors, he throws them into the Masmara. The what? Deep, horrible cistern which he hath in his house. This was spoken in a still lower voice. Carlos was not yet sufficiently naturalized to horrors to repress a shudder. He said, Then I fear it is at great risk to yourself that you show kindness to me. It is for the dear Lord's sake, senor. Then you, you too, love his name? said Carlos, tears of joy starting to his eyes. Chiton, senor, Chiton, but as far as a poor woman may, I do love him, she added in a frightened whisper. What I want now to tell you is that the noble lord, your brother, my brother, cried Carlos. What of him? On, tell me, for Christ's dear sake. Let your excellency speak lower, we may be overheard. I know he's seen my master once and again, and has given him much money to provide your worship with good food and other conveniences, which he, however, not having the fear of God before his eyes. The rest of the sentence did not reach the ear of Carlos, but he could easily guess its import. That is little matter, he said. But, oh, kind friend, if I could send him a message, were it only one word. Perhaps the wistful earnestness of his tone awakened latent mother instincts in the poor woman's heart. She knew that he was very young, that he had lain there for dreary months alone, away from the bright world into which he was just entering, and which was now shut to him forever. I will do all I can for your excellency, she said in a tone that betrayed some emotion. Then, said Carlos, tell him it is well with me the lord is my shepherd oh that psalm bid him read it but above all things say unto him to leave this place to fly to germany or england for i fear i fear no do not tell him what i fear only implore of him to go you promise i promise young sir to do all i can god comfort him and you and God reward you, brave and kind friend. But one word more, if it may be without risk to you. Tell me of my dear fellow prisoners, especially of Dr. Cristobal Losada, Don Juan Ponce de Leon, Fray Constantino, and Juliano Hernandez, called Juliano El Chico. I do not know anything of Fray Constantino. I think he's not here. The others you name have suffered. Not death. Surely not death, said Carlos in terror. There be worse things than death, senor, the poor woman answered. Even my master, whose heart is iron, is astonished at the fortitude of senor Giuliano. He fears nothing, seems to feel nothing. 
No tortures have wrung from him a word that could harm anyone. God sustain him, O oh, my friend. Carlos went on with passionate earnestness. If by any deed of kindness such as you have shown me, you could bring God's dear suffering servant so much comfort as a cup of cold water, truly your reward would be rich in heaven. For the day will come when that poor man will take his station in the court of the King of Kings, and at the right hand of Christ, in great glory and majesty. I know it, Signor. I have tried. Just then an approaching footstep made Carlos start, but the poor woman said, It is only the child. God bless her. But I must go, Signor, for she comes to tell me her father has arisen, and is making ready to begin his daily rounds. Her father? Does Benevidio's own child help you to comfort his prisoners? Even so. Thank the good God. I am her nurse. But I must not linger another moment. Adios, Signor. Vaya con Dios, good mother and god repay your kindness as he surely will and surely he did repay it but not on earth unless the honour of being accounted worthy to suffer shame and stripes and cruel imprisonment for his sake be called a reward End of chapter thirty one